the thing that like was like <laughs> like the thing that's so incredible about him is he's so massive yet so silky and smooth like he has like everything <laughs> Like he has, like it's, it's Jordan's dream, man. But man, it's, it's like I remember sending highlights to David and my my friend Cody and being like, when he runs, it's not like he's running; he's pulling the earth back. <laughs> like he's just like ah, with his fucking toes gripping with his. I remember that text. Does. I was just like, oh, you and this kid. Yeah, right. <laughs> but David, that's your FIFA creator player, six foot seven. Oh, exactly. He runs like the wind, and he finishes everything. Right. Exactly. No, he's, he's and he's got a left foot. Like, why not? Because why not? He's a freak and he looks more and more like Ivan Drago every day. Hello. Welcome back. Uh, we all said like, oh yeah, this international break would be great. Lads get a rest. You can kind of clock out of football. And about two days into it, I was like, holy shit. What am I going to do for the next three weeks? Uh, luckily, Blow not many. the WhatsApp. That's what. Yeah, right. So much <laughs> you, me, and, and Dupree. <laughs> you know, like, you know, the Reds haven't been on the pitch, but so much has been happening. Um, I think a good, a good jump off point uh, to get into this. Uh, and just get right into it. We're gonna, even going to skip the introductions, right? I was going right. to say, since I, we're skipping yeah. intros. Sorry, I'm skipping intros. Oh, goodness gracious. I'm Jordan. I'm David. One of them's Darius. <laughs> He's DJ. I'm Darius. I'm waiting for you. We're trying to do like, you know, clockwise. But... Anyways, it's disjointed just, you know, because it's the international break. We haven't been getting together. We haven't been doing this. We haven't been putting the hours in on the training pitch. Uh, but anyways. To start this conversation, I think it's a good place to start the conversation. Uh, the news was kind of finalized today on the whole Redbird, uh, LeBron James, FSG, like coming together, or I think Redbird buying into FSG, right? Not so much Liverpool, but the the father uh, company, FSG. Um a couple of things that I read today that were promising for us as Liverpool fans. Um, I think I saw that some of the funds that are going into the original investment are to be spent on the debt that FSG occur incurred to run at Liverpool. I also found out today that uh, FSG borrowed against themselves rather than the club to fund the whole COVID pandemic thing, which was very interesting as well. And so part of that money is going back to FSG uh, to pay back basically the bill on that, which comes with a lot of, you know, implications uh, especially in regards to like the transfer market and transfer funds we may have. Um, but Darius, I know you've been bullish of <laughs> market term on this whole move. So uh, give me your thoughts. Well, I mean, outside of the obvious with LeBron James, the big name in all of this going from being just a guy who was a shareholder to now actually being a part owner and having a voice and, you know, this uh, this little Nike thing, the fact yeah. that he has a lifetime contract with Nike, all the marketing implications and all that, like, that's probably the sexy part that so many people are going to want to talk about. But when you look at Redbird coming in, it's another money source going into this group. And it's not just people coming in saying, all right, we just want to have a piece of the action. It's people who actually do have spending power because you look at what Red Group this Redbird group are doing, they've been trying to buy into European football for years. And now this is their big opportunity to get in with a big club. And with that brings 
more ambition. So to me, I, I know that there's not going to be too many people who like just get excited and say, yay, more owners. But like <laughs> what I what I see from this is you have more rich people buying into this rich people pool and with it, they want to all grow their money. And if there's one thing that rich people love to do, it's yeah. growing their money. And the only way you can really do that in sports is by investing. So for me, that tells me that you're probably going to see not anything too crazy, but instead of the sell to buy model that so many people associate with it, you're going to see Moneyball proper, which is like what you see with the Boston Red Sox, what you see with the Chicago Cubs. You're going to see, yeah, still a, a, a cheap-ish squad where you're going to see your your guys who are the fringe players are going to be like okay players but you're still going to see superstars go in that's what you see with the red sox that's what you see with the cubs and i think liverpool are to that point now where they're really going to start going after guys who are superstars not just because oh well we sold coutinho so now we got that money to spend but because they're being ambitious so that's me being bullish that's what i think is going to come for this but i know not everyone's going to agree with that so I, one thing, and you know, to bring in the baseball analogy here that actually very much intrigues me is that um, with Redbird wanting to have buy into European football, and I'm going to bring this to you, David, in a second. Um, I think the idea here is to set up like the feeder club system um, and not in the city way, which is very empty and weird and doesn't have any continuity or connection, but in more the Red Bull way. And I know Red Bull has its own, bad side in the footballing world, especially in Germany, but you can't deny that Red Bull has a progressive step up, you know, system of clubs that seems to be working and developing not only talent on the field, but also on the touchline. Um, there's a potential there to start doing that for Liverpool. Um, David, does, does that sort of, cause for me, I think of like, you know, the loan thing in recent years for Liverpool really hasn't worked out. So, because we have no control over what the loan clubs do. So if you yeah. can't have this progressive step up for talent, you justify buying people like Nabi Keita when they are 19 and very promising rather than letting Red Bull develop him. Thoughts? You know, it's not, it's not just players either, right? So I, I think it's important because, yes, I, I, we have had some troubles with loans where you're sending players out to places where they're going to play shit football and they're going to play for managers who don't, play a style or even have a training mentality that's anything like what the player is going to experience at Liverpool. He comes back, he's still not suited to the club. Well, gee, I wonder why, you know? Yeah. So well, this also allows us to identify young managers or prospects or, you know, ex-players who want to move on and go into coaching could now be employed by the club, but we're through FSG and coach, let's say, to lose, right? Because Redbird runs to lose oh, in French. So you, now you can take a coach that has a, a similar mentality and philosophy to what Jurgen Klopp has or to what whoever the Liverpool manager has is you can essentially kind of develop a, a player around a certain set of principles and ideals that now they spend their whole career in that and it's more of a natural progression some of that bedding in period in a different country maybe isn't quite so difficult because the training methods are the same and actually you feel very at home in that aspect of it and so then it's just really just getting used to a different language and yes the intensity of the league and all that there will still be adjustment periods but it's not every piece of that 
And then you just see like, you know, Red Bull. Okay. Their problem is right. Is that this is a, uh, energy drink using football as a marketing tool essentially is what that is. Right. Yeah. And it's a big part of why people don't particularly like them, but we're not doing that. No. Yeah. We're just going to keep the, (laughs) we're just going to keep the clubs as they are and use them as and, and keep them try to keep them competitive to lose his goal will be to win as many games as possible and to be as successful as possible just like liverpool's it's just that why lie to ourselves nobody wants to retire it i mean not to be offensive to toulouse but very few, <laughs> oh, no. very few young players go there and go this is where i want to finish my career it just generally doesn't happen if there's an opportunity to move if they have the quality to move to something like england generally they want to do it so it only makes sense to me and like you said it's it's you know cities is very hollow well my thing about city too is like what the thing about this move is it's like 535 million pounds of injection into fsg right but the reports on it say that all indications show that really the reason the draw to fsg was liverpool not not the boston red sox that's not what I think his name's Jerry Cardinal. He's like really yeah. the brain trusts behind this Redbird thing. Um, he was more drawn to Liverpool. He's been studying European football for four or five years now, thinking about how he can actually can help it continue to make money. And so his the thing is, is that this allows us to spend money on players this summer in a pre-COVID fashion. Now, before this before this merger, the only clubs that could say that were Chelsea, City, PSG, maybe Bayern Munich, but even them, I, I don't know. It was the oil-rich clubs. It was the ones backed by some state. If this move allows us to be compete to compete with them the way that we were pre-COVID, I don't see how that's a bad thing. I'm only excited about that. That just makes it keeps us in the conversation for the best players. It keeps us in the conversation for growing the brand into the world-class football club that we you know we know that this can be more money less problems yeah i mean i it's very <laughs> is it a coincidence Redbird? his name's basically cardinal like what is going on here it's all a big joke who you have this whole time i thought it was a reference to mighty red you know? <laughs> yeah right <laughs> speaking of somewhere i have him laying around in uh, in stuffed animal form i recommend that for the kids to fully <laughs> embed them in the culture and you propagandize them basically you know yeah or force it upon them anyways but yeah you know one of the implications obviously of, of an investment and injection of cash vj is that you know in the transfer market we can be competitive your thoughts yeah i'm just like you said initially I think we have, like you said, uh, $120 million in debt, uh, which I think, you know, will they'll write off. Uh, investment in terms of transfer, look, here's the thing. Do we now have enough money to just go out and spend and buy players, every other player that we want? No, I don't still, I don't think that is still the case right now, right? But what will definitely happen is, uh, now we're already, I'm thinking, season 2021 2022 we're already in post-covid so we will have the club has made money available to club either way or i don't know the if the club has made money available to club because of this investment right they're two different things but either way it's a good thing for us i think we can now spend in every transfer window irrespective of a situation like a financial crisis or a pandemic hitting us and that's where i think this deal would be important right now like 
last season, right? Chelsea and Man City, they barely got affected by the pandemic because they're funded by billionaires, right? The only other club which uh, could match them was PSG, right? Again, funded by a country, not even a person, right? I think we'll be in that situation where, again, we won't be spending the money or the amount they would spend. But again, we would be spending the Liverpool amount every summer if we need to. So I think that's where the advantage lies now. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely. And is it, as you know, just to continue plowing on into things that happened in the international break, is it any coincidence then, uh, Darius, that a certain rumor came up that uh, we were basically going to sign Konate from Leipzig? Yeah. You got him. I mean, it's, yeah, you got him. You got him. But it's, 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 it's it's interesting timing. I don't know if that has anything to do like with one or the other because I, I think the Kanate thing has a lot more to do with something we'll, we'll probably talk at some point with the center backs, Joe Gomez and Joel Matip having so many injuries and just Liverpool recognizing the plan they had this year where, oh, well, we only have three senior center backs. That's clearly never going to be the plan going forward, at least not with all the guys that they have currently. I think that's what they're really going after. They're looking for a guy like with Hupa Makano, who's not just one for the long-term future, but can be one for right now as well. I mean, Kanate has been compared to a Joel Matip-like player. I mean, when healthy, you know, we, we've talked about how great these Liverpool center backs are when they're fit. So with Kanate, I think that's really what it's really about. Um, but yeah, having that extra cash certainly doesn't help to be able to go and pull off the deal. I just think that, uh, I think that was one that was coming anyway. Okay, so you you don't think it had anything to do with the? the I, I think was... it's I think it makes it easier to pull the trigger. If, but I I'm pretty sure they would have already been aiming toward it. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm kind of with you, David. Hopefully this does mean and you, VJ, like that you know at the very least we will spend how we intended to spend all along because I think we were on a path to continue like to increase our ability to spend. Um, this was always highlighted as the big summer. Right. Yeah. Like right. It, well, yeah. in pre-COVID times, Pre, in, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's thrown things yeah. off so much. But yeah. that's why you know, again, like that when I read that it, part of this money is intended to write off the debts that FSG mm-hmm. incurred from the pandemic, I was like, oh, so we're basically not having fans for a whole year. Yeah. So, yeah. so FSG essentially is openly being like, yeah, hey, we're hitting reset. Don't and like you know, they talked a big game and like leak stuff to yeah. the certain like press members that this was the big summer, like you said, David. So maybe. Maybe Erling Holland is still on the way. But but it makes oh. sense, Jordan. It makes sense because when you think about where they were pre-pandemic, they had just won the Champions League and they just won the Premier League. Yeah. So they were or, well, they were on their way to winning the Premier League before uh, COVID broke out. But that tells you they had money in the bank because they hadn't spent in those windows. Takumi Minamino was really the only player of consequence they had brought in before this summer where you bring in a couple of guys in Jota and Thiago, but outside of that they hadn't really spent much money Dejan Lovren and uh Shimikas notwithstanding but you look at it and it's like they should have had money to spend so I think they were just in a we're not going to spend money we're going to hold tight bear down during COVID now that you're looking at a post-COVID world and you get the cash injection hell yeah I think it's the time to be bullish if you're looking at transfers yeah yeah. Keep in mind that, you know, the, FS, the FSG model has always been built, right, at least currently, on us achieving incremental success and trying to keep that success going throughout, at least on average, across seasons for the money to flow in, right? So now with this investment, I think that, you know, it would be easier because it's kind of like a give and take where, you know, we have to sign players to keep being successful, 
right? And then if there is one off season where, you know, we're not successful, particularly this season, right? Pre, before this deal, I don't know if FSG was planning on doing two more seasons where, you know, they go ahead and spend money and then get us back up there, right? But now with this deal, I don't think we have to worry about where there will be, you know, one or two seasons, there'll be a blip, but we don't have to worry about the financial constraint of that uh, affecting us in any way to, you know, go ahead, go ahead and recruit players that we want. The one piece of this that I do find uh, interesting from the LeBron angle, right? Because it's one of the things, you know, obviously he's a big name, uh, but him and no, I got my conspiracy on this. Well, well, you know, I I think that the big piece of them coming in that why that matters so much is no athlete, I think, other than Michael Jordan has ever marketed themselves and been as global a brand than LeBron James. I mean, it's really Michael Jordan and then him. LeBron James is the first athlete that's going to make a billion dollars during his career. Mm-hmm. That's insane when you think about it, right? Yeah. And so it's it's like, well, having that guy around, and if you're wanting to, if you're a superstar athlete, I'd like to be in the boardroom with that guy and have conversations about what my career might look like, how I might market myself. I mean, yeah, if I'm one, you know, I'm 23, I've got Mm -hmm. a lot of years ahead of me, seven, eight years of a prime career. How do I, how do I make the most of this? That guy can tell you. Mm-hmm. His agent, or uh, yeah, his representatives can tell you. And Maverick Carter is a part yeah. of this as well. His, exactly. Yep. He's a part of the deal going in with that. We are, we are the evil empire now. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like we're coming we in. Like, it. Okay. So here's here's my thing on. <laughs> but, but here's my you, you, thing on on what this means. This swoosh, the Nike brand. It's to the point where it's not just a shoes. It's not just the boots and the kit. It's it really is something that opens doors. I mean, you look at some of these athletes and they all want to go in on Nike. It's not just trying to get the money. It's trying to get the kit. It's trying to get the swag that comes with it. It's trying to get into the room with those people. And you look at, by the way, this is where it gets to be the conspiracy part of it. You get to looking at guys like Kylian Mbappe, like Erlen Holland, like Jaden Sancho, all Nike athletes and of those, only one, Mbappe, is currently at a club that is affiliated with Nike because PSG is a Jordan brand. Liverpool now, as a Nike brand, Nike athletes do want to be at Nike clubs so they can make that a monopoly. Nike is incentivized to make that happen. So I'm just saying, like, if Nike was like, hey, Liverpool, we'll float y'all another extra hundred mil off of incentives. That was, um, you guys did a good job getting I mean, to- I um, 30% of the shirt cuts. <laughs> right. So, yeah. like, that's that, that's the thing, like, the the minds and the powers that are at play do want to see Liverpool successful. Like if you're Nike, obviously you're, you know, spreading your, sowing your seeds across all of the European clubs that you have, but Nike is one of the crown or, or Liverpool is one of the crown jewels in Nike's portfolio at the moment. So they are actually incentivized to try to make Liverpool better. So that's why it's like, I'm looking at this and I'm like, it almost makes a little bit too sense, too much sense to try to make something happen. Like, Hey, Killian, I know you like it there in Paris, but uh, we'd really like you in England. And you know who we'd like to have you with in England? We'd like to have you with Liverpool. You should you should consider it. Just LeBron just James, just baby. we'll throw you in an extra commercial, yeah. and you and LeBron will get to go on vacation in the Maldives. I like How it. I like it in like ten years time when LeBron's retired from basketball and like the puppet master. 
No, he just is like, and he's like, he's like, he's just like, in the executive box. Yeah. And he's just like, he's just like texting all the players and like all around Europe and WhatsApp groups. Like, oh, I'm at Anfield. It's rocking the day, baby. You know, like crown emojis. <laughs> no, no, you know what exactly what it's going to be. He's going to be down in Anfield and then he's going to have his phone up. He's going to be like, hey guys, I'm at Anfield for a Champions League night and it's Taco Tuesday. Like, he's going to, yes. He's hey, merging man. all hey, of this together. If the king wants to be the king of Europe, he's got to join European royalty. But, so. but, but that's what it is. He's, <laughs> LeBron is one of those dudes. Nike's one of those companies. And Liverpool is now one of those clubs where they're trying to make everything come together. So it, 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 I'm just saying, like, don't be surprised if we see some stuff that's just wild and outlandish that we're like, we should have never seen this. But if it's like, if it's Nike, if it's Liverpool, if it's LeBron, moves can be made. That's all I'm saying. I will settle for normal this summer. I don't need outlandish this summer to be personally completely <laughs> honest. <laughs> all those outlandish dreams, yes, let's dream big. But I, this summer, all I need is a return to normal spending, just like refresh the squad and sustain what we have going already. Because, you know, to be like where we're at is a product of extreme circumstance and whatever. You know, know if we said, can, uh, sorry. No, go ahead. If we can just recover from that instantaneously, that's great for me if we can do all the other crazy shit I, i'm all aboard i know i said it allows us to spend at pre-covid levels now but i do think you're right it probably will won't be right away like they'll just go on about the business like they kind of initially planned for this summer and then it's open season yeah, going forward yeah. but um you know the there's rumor like i it was mentioned in the dave maddock piece that uh the Cardinal fellow, he, he might be actually doing this as a foot in the door towards acquiring the club completely. Oh, okay. So we'll see about that. I mean, oh, goodness. Uh, yeah. Does that change? Who's he in Woodward? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, right here, real quickly, watch this. I'm putting the pressure on David. We're going to put a little clip from a Rambling Rivals episode that David has recorded. No, I haven't recorded our... it yet. Well, well. <laughs> He records well, it tomorrow after we're recording this. So guess what? You're putting the clip in. It's with our friend Pete. Check it out. See you on the other side. So every time you get a new coach in, you kind of go on like a little bit of a journey, right? There's always like yeah. an evolution. And you, you and I were talking a lot about kind of how you hope the Emory thing would pan out. And we used to, you know, I was kind of telling you, I think over the last few years on several occasions, probably about the kind of the clock journey and how we wanted it to yeah. evolve. So when you look at Arteta, what's the next step? What do you want to see kind of the evolution pan out to, to provide this year? Um, good question, man. So, you know, um, I think the big switch is going to come from, you know, lining the team up to negate other teams strengths to really putting a team out there that showcases our strength. You know, there were a few times where you could tell he was trying to go out there and control the ball and, and, you know, play the possession game, play some of the quick wingy pacey stuff we saw him do over at city. And, and he just doesn't have the personnel for it. So yeah. I, I, I don't think we're going to get there the first half of this season for sure. Um, I think we, you know, we'll play with the back three. I think we'll play on the counter. I think, you know, we, we will win games and, and definitely be in a good position on the table through it, but we still won't be in that playing Arsenal, the football way zone until the second half of the season at the earliest. I'll say it that way. Now, does your fan base know this? 
<laughs> Man, you know, I, I so I've complained about Arsenal fans for for years. I, I will say that it, you know, the struggles of last season, and we've talked about this. You know, when when Liverpool went through some some hard times, that it, it thinned out some of the fluff from the support, and those that are left you know, I think are contributing in a good way. I'll say it that way. But, you know, expectations, of course, are way off. You know, everybody loves Arsenal fan TV and that, like, that type of um, supporter. But, you know, I know enough other types of supporters that know that we're in for the journey here. Um, And, you know, success is measured by our attainment of our potential, right? You know, if our potential is right here and we're performing right at that level, then I'm fucking happy. If there's a big gap, then we got issues. It is what right. it is. That was a wonderful clip provided by David. Um, whatever it may, well, no matter what it was. Uh, it might have been but, the one from August or whatever. But. <laughs> it was oh, a great clip, nonetheless. Pull the curtain back. Uh, so the whole thing, we're talking about transfers. We're talking about, you know, Redbird coming in and Cardinal and you know, what that means transfer wise, but there is, you know, the fresh rumor. It's apparently he's undergone medicals. Apparently we're this close to the deal. There's a release clause apparently that we just had to meet. Um, Konate from Leipzig, young French center back. If it is happening, if all these rumors are believed to be true, um, this clearly has some type of effect on the center back options that we currently have. Um, So, Here's the situation, VJ. We have Kabak on loan, which we could buy for another 18 million on top of the 40 million that we're apparently spending on Kanate. Or we could tell him, you know what, go back. We have Nat Phillips, who apparently does still have a contract, even though I try to look it up. And all I I could find was that it it says it expires. (laughs) Yeah, all all I could find is he has a two year extension two years ago. And I don't have any before well, he went to apparently, player option. Is that a thing in football? No, like, apparently his management company says it was for initial two years, but then another two years after that, or another yeah, it was like for three or four years initially. So oh, so there might be club options or like player yeah, options. Yeah, yeah. So if he wants like to stay, like they yeah, could just okay. exercise that. So okay, VJ, you maybe you get to decide Nat Phillips stays or he goes, we sell him, or maybe I don't know. We'll assume we sell it, we have to sell him then, right? Matt Phillips, uh, Reese Williams, he's kind of fallen out of the, of the picture recently, but Reese Williams, uh, Ben Davies, who is starting. Billy Comedio is more reportedly of a real exists. This right? Uh, Joel Matip, Virgil van Dyke, and Joe Gomez, right? What going into next season, what for you should be our center back options? I don't know. I really don't know. They're, who are okay, you keeping so, and who are you selling out of at, like you you're gonna make a, a see, list that's right, of, of five yeah, six so, so virgil gomez uh Benade, and kabak i want to keep all four right okay. uh the fifth one i really don't know i haven't seen ben davis play you know but you know my mind kind of wants it it should be good to have a left-footed center half in there you know i know club really doesn't give a you know crap about if he's left-footed or right-footed when it comes to Santa Hats. But it will be good to have that option in there, right? But again, I don't know who to keep in front of, you know, Reese Williams, Nat Phillips, and Ben Davies. So my, I'll say, based on how Nat Phillips has played, keep Nat Phillips and send Reese Williams out on load and sell Ben Davies for $10 million and get that profit. 
I'm just laughing at Jordan right now. Hey, shut up. Okay. Uh, have you forgotten that Joel Mateev exists? <laughs> Wait, I said his name, right? Oh, no, you no, you didn't. You didn't. No, you didn't. Man. We were all listening. <laughs> no, it's it's fine. It's fine. It's fine, VJ. But what would you do with Joel Mateev? That's a, this is a pressing question. What would you do with Joel Mateev? Would you sell him? Would you keep him for the end? He still has another two years on his contract and he's only 5.2 million for the whole year of his contract. He's on a hundred K a month. It's not very expensive. What do you do with Joel Matip? I really don't know. I think like at this point, assuming that there is a betting in favorite for Kabak. Yeah. Based on... Based on his injury record, you know, at, at this point, we have to, you know, cut out either one of Gomez or Matip. And I would say, you know, since Gomez is the younger one, let's cut Matip out for now. That's fine. No, that's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, I'm going to throw it, David. This, again, give me options, and then at the very end, tell us what you would do with Joel Matip. Okay, how about that? Do that, David. Just do that for me. <laughs> <laughs> give me your fucking give me the fuck and then save it for the fucking end just fuck so vj just so you know and the listeners at home though we had a very uh spirited discussion about spirited about discussion and the three of us were making complete sense <laughs> we're just like and okay made, sorry let's just let's just pull it down so, we, we were just making the point that hey if, if any one of them was expendable it would probably be joel metip would make the most sense because you would get more money than somebody like for Kabak or Phillips, and he because he is world class, and right. he's more expendable because he is like you said older it's... than Joe Gomez. But Jordan took that as us saying that he was shit, and we're just like, no, <laughs> that's not what we said at all. Also, that's not even what I said. Let me paint the picture here. All right. <laughs> yeah, no, please do. There was like a full <laughs> logic to this. All right, it was that we went into last season with three center backs. I'm not sure they're just going to go to six, right? Like they may say, okay, we need five. Five, five yeah. would be a reasonable, responsible way to address the issues that came out of la uh, this last season. So you have there, you know, Virgil and Joe, I think are definitely going to be there. Uh, Joe, because of his youth, not because of his injury record, his injury record's pretty torrid, yeah. but I think, you know, you saw his quality last year, his age, there's still going to be some hope that maybe he can pull through it and, you know, continue to be the player that he was. I think you, you know, you, you bring in this Kanate kid to basically compete with those two players. Uh, Cause you're not assuming that either one is going to play as much or that they may not come back and be themselves for a little bit. It may be a little bit of a readjustment period. Right. They may have been affected by those injuries. This kid's coming in to challenge them. I think I would, try to keep Kabak, although one of the options is it, it, a lot of it comes down to the finances, right? Like how much do we want to spend on center halves? And so there is an argument to say, just send Kabak back and don't, and get that, you know, you keep that 18 mil in the bank and you roll with Joel Matip as your fourth option center back, perfectly valid option. He's a quality player, but I, you know, Kabak has shown some real promise. Uh, he's, not going to cost as much in terms of wages. Now you've got the 18 million up front, but that's a, I think we can agree that's a pretty good deal for a player of his age and what his ceiling may be. I think Nat Phillips is on his way out of the club. Uh, he'll go somewhere where he can play regular football. We'll get a reasonable amount of money for him. I don't 10 know. Million. Maybe 10 million. Yeah. 10 to 15 yeah. because he's English. 
as well. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, Nat Phillips, kind of sad to see it happen, but he will go. Um, Davis, I feel like might stick around for one reason. If you want to play a three-man back line ever, he can do it. He can also play left back, which gives you a little bit of uh, – Klopp loves a player with versatility, loves it. And he's got that. He can, you know, he can play center back. He can play center back in a couple of different shapes. He can play left back. Shimikas has not settled in, uh, may require loaning out. We don't know what the deal is there. He just has not adapted to the system well, according to a piece from James Pierce a couple of weeks ago. So I'm not really sure what his future is. And Ben Davis could possibly give you that depth that you need there. Um, so, and he's pretty cheap. Uh, so I don't know on him. <laughs> he, he's sort of the one that you go like, oh, so I yeah. haven't seen him play. But Klopp insists that he's part of the long-term plan, that he has long-term plans for him. And I think if maybe what one of the issues is, is why we haven't seen him, look at his size. They may want him to beef up a bit and be a little bit more, you know, robust, yeah, robust. Um, so that might be part of why we're not seeing him as he's kind of going undergoing a transformation to being a premier league center back. So if he really is part of the plans though, with Kabak and him, that gives you five. And at that point, given his injury record, the fact that he'll turn 30, I know he's a world-class player, but I think there's a, it, if the funds start to flow in this transfer window and you start seeing clubs spend a little bit and the clubs down the line are getting the money for their players. And so that sort of transfer economy is actually working. There will be a market for a player like Joel Matip. And I just think given his injury record, it's, I'm not saying it's definite or that I would necessarily want it to happen, but I'm saying it can't be off the chopping block for Joel Matip to not be there next season. Oh no, my heart's breaking. Yeah. <laughs> Darius but just driving home. We, we, just... <laughs> but, but I mean, I, I think what we're home. all getting at, what we're all getting at, it's 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 more like if someone comes to you with an offer, you can't refuse. It's that type of situation. If somebody says, "We'll give you forty or fifty mil for Joel Matip," you're gonna think long and hard about it. But at the same time. If I have money to go and get players without having to give anyone up, I'm not giving up Joel Metip. I, I would definitely have him as a more break in case of emergency, break glass in case of emergency situation, where I'm thinking the alignment would be Virgil van Dyke, Joe Gomez, or Konate, and then Matip. If, 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 you could, if you can guarantee me health, he's the number two option, I think. I, right, I, I mean, I, I think there's a strong case for for him being the second best behind Virgil. If you're guaranteeing his health, that's the only thing though. We haven't been able to see it for, for a good minute. Um, and, and you if you pointed out in the, in the group chat, by the way, Jordan, um, we haven't seen it with Joe Gomez either, which is why someone like Konate coming in is important. So at, at the very least you have that depth. So I wouldn't write off seeing six center backs next season for Liverpool, because you're looking at it. Half of those dudes are literally coming off an injury last year. Konate did have a big injury a couple of years ago with his ankle. And you're also looking at Kabak. And then after that, either Phillips or Davies, whoever, you're not feeling much better than where you are right now if you're not guaranteeing health from any of those players, um, the top four anyway. So I would not, I would not rule out six guys 
at center back going into next year. I, I wouldn't rule out at all. And I would be more than happy to see Matzip stay because, I mean, he's, he's boss. Like, we don't need to, you know, get into that conversation. We all know he is. There are two scenarios, I think, where you see him stay. One is they've decided that 40 million pounds is what they want to spend to address the center back problem. And even though he's been okay, Ozanka Bach, or they send him back and they say, we're not going to give you 18 million, we'll give you 12 million or something like that. And if uh, Schalke wants to take it in their strap cashed or uh, they're strapped for cash, then, you know, that we can have that discussion, but I, I, there's, that's one scenario. The other scenario is the team evolves a bit and we do play a three man back line with three center backs. And in that case, having six just means two at each position. And that would make actually a lot of sense. Um, I don't know if that was, it would ever happen. I don't know if that's something that uh, Jurgen Klopp has thought about. I mean, I know that he has thought about three-man back lines. He's, he, it was one of the things he pointed out about Davis when, he, when we signed him is that he could do that. So it's, it might be something that happens. And then in that case, yeah, Matip definitely will probably be here just to play a part in whatever that looks like. Um, and Reese Williams goes out on loan. I forgot to say. Yeah. That. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the most important part of the <laughs> Reese and Billy. Is that <laughs> Reese Williams goes it. on loan. I just here's my for Joel Matip. Uh, the case for the case for keeping Joel Matip, no matter what, no matter what. Uh, I'm I I remember 0809 Sammy Hoopia, right? And 0809 Sammy Hoopia was not really in the starting lineup. And then someone went down with a shock injury at Man United at Old Trafford and he stepped in and he bossed it until the end of the season from that point on. And we almost won the title, right? Um, Joel Matip is so good. He's so, so good. And I know he's been hurt recently and we forget how so, so good he is. He is, he is really elite. He's played at an elite level his whole life in football. Like he came into Schalke at 18. His debut game was against Bayern Munich. And since then he's played in the Champions League or, or the top flight of, of uh, country uh he is he is he's very good and i you know if he plays one game a week and you have those other players playing in front of him all the time and that satisfies his requirements as a footballer uh as well as manages his injury troubles uh and he doesn't cost any money to keep on and you can sell him next summer uh and still get decent amount of money and be ahead of uh, the, the whole game because you got him for free and I would just, I just love Joel Matip so much. And everyone oh, yeah. knows that. Everyone yeah. knows I love Joel Matip so, so very much. Uh, but, you know, on Footy Man, you know, when I play Footy Man, the progression of bringing in youth players, right, is like you have like the older veteran and you kind of have them compete and swap them out. And then the next season you play the youth guy more. And in January, you sell the veteran because he's upset. And to be frank, usually when I play as Liverpool, I sell Joel Matip, you know, as the first center back. I, sell. I was going to say he'd be the first dude you sell if you were doing this as like a FIFA video game or football. No, game exactly. Game. And you yeah. get decent money for him. But I just, I don't know. Given what happened this year and how drastic the center back injuries were, I wouldn't be surprised if there was like more retention of the options that we have, in my opinion. And Konate, for me, coming in, yes, he's obviously absolutely pushing uh, the first two options or at least playing for that second position. But, you know, there's an interesting case where like, you know, Virgil van Dyke and Joe Gomez are a partnership and then Joel Matip and Kanate are a partnership just and you just rotate yeah. and you just yeah. rotate those two when you need to or whatever. Regular uh, and rotation. Then you, and we're then sitting can, here. We're sitting here like begging for just Phillips and Kabak to keep going this season. All we want to see is not Henderson and Fabinho ever again. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. All we're asking if I could for. just avoid that, that would be great. 
But, you know, <laughs> if you can have like two center back options that are like first choices, first choice that you can rotate, you know, and if I mean like, and they build that chemistry, you're not swapping in pieces. And then every so often Virgil van Dyke needs a run of games or whatever. You can always swap in someone else for Joe Gomez as we do normally. And I don't know, it sounds very attractive to me to keep all of these very good center backs. Let me tell you folks, this is a lot more rational than what went on in that group. Chat, I was going to say, it was just like, Oh no, you're right. Listen, Joe, listen. Cheap is trash. Fuck no, him. no, no, no. Listen, 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 listen. I just don't I'm think put a screenshot of that chat somewhere. Oh, Lord. I just, I just Davis, don't, yeah, we got it. I just don't think, I just don't think, cause I've been seeing a lot of this where people are like, yeah, just get rid of Joel Mateep. Like it's no big deal. And like, this is, this is a center back, like literally has played at the highest level of football since he was a child. Like, you know, and has some certain aspect, a key element of our system when he plays. Oh I yeah, mean, he exactly. sets up goals. He's been I won mean, them the Champions League, man. He was he's yeah. fantastic that he's year. He's like in the 99th percentile for assists as a center back for like the last calendar year. Like you know, his progressive passing, his progressive dribbles as a center back, like very impressive. Uh, he's also a character, and like we, you know, we just love characters. You know, we love well. the Joel Matip gifts. Uh, <laughs> like we love it. The and reaction. Like, you know, he he stepped in when Joe Gomez got hurt in the Champions League, Champions League year after he was injured himself and then continued to play all the way through the end until the start of next season was, you know, absolutely class. Um, and, yeah, I just – I don't know. People like just, yeah, if he – we could just get rid of – it should be like more of a struggle internally to yeah. entertain the idea of letting Joel Matip walk out those doors. Like it should hurt to actually say the words. It should just be so easy. That <laughs> – the only the only way I would say it would be easy for me is if I know that there's something else coming in because if it's like, hey, sell Matip, but then you're gonna now have enough money to go get Holland. That's when I'm like, okay, that's an easy decision for me. See, if Redbird's coming in and they're gonna just be making it rain, then hey, but but you're still gonna have to you're still gonna have to make some tough decisions. Like, I mean, there's never gonna be a point in this in this model where. Uh, and even in like with with teams like City, like when you have a world class player come in, you're usually going to have a world class player go out, or at the very least, someone who is going to make you say, "Damn, we might miss that guy." Like that's just always going to be the transaction in sports, no matter the case. So I, I yeah, I, I agree that it's it's going to hurt if and when Matip were to leave, but I, I just think of it from that perspective. Like, what could you possibly be gaining? And if you're just going to say, I'm not willing to go and make that trade-off, I feel like that's short-sighted. Because if you can get someone who's an improvement to the squad, yeah, it's going to hurt losing Matip. But I don't think the drop-off from him to the rest of the guys who you would have there is steep enough to say, no, we can't do that. that that's all I'm saying. Or we it's, can just keep all seven like Arsenal. Or we could just keep all seven and then yeah. also bring in people and then also be boss. And then we just buy everyone and we just win every game. Like we can do that. And, yeah. Hey, listen, a reason to keep all seven. Look at me doing it on the fly and doing it like a pro. A reason to keep all seven, David, is because UEFA has just announced their brilliant plan to ruin European football. That's and, true. <laughs> yeah, that's so because we're going to play 10 million games a season, they're going to eventually. Well, you know, we're fucking off the league cup. It's done. Listen, there's going to be a point in time in the future where they're like going to try to justify why can't we have a morning Liverpool Real Madrid game and then an afternoon Liverpool Real Madrid <laughs> double headers. Let's go. Why can't we do that. And then, so this is our progression towards that nonsense. So UEFA was like, now's our time to shine. Let's give them the shit that we've been brewing up. How did it taste David? 
Uh, you know, it tastes a lot Jeez. like the European Premier League, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Jesus, man. <laughs> oh man. You know, it's gonna yeah. like it's gonna have an effect. It's on... it's okay. It's okay. 60, 70 games a season, we can have a squad of 30, 35 players, you know. Well, it's bound to happen. It's bound to happen, isn't it? You know, I think it's I mean, when there's so much money involved, nobody gives a shit about traditions and all that crap or whatever. I mean, it's it's, you made the joke. I I was just going to say, though, but Jordan, you made the joke about like morning games and night games, but it's like it kind of feels like that with baseball. Like one of the problems that baseball has that football is starting to get toward is the oversaturation of the sport. When you have too many games, people tune that shit out. And that's where it's like, you don't want it yeah. to be. Because if, if you have 30 people on your roster or 40 people on your roster, you don't know who's going to play week in, week out. You just don't know. So when you show up to Anfield, you have no clue. All right, guys, are we going to see Virgil today? Or is it going to be that other kid that they got for 50 million? Like, you have no clue what's going to happen. I mean, that's, that's where that's, sports becomes like, it, it loses its luster. So this like, whole idea of doing 100 games and shit, it's just like, it's a terrible idea. That's coaches are not used to working with big squads. Any coach you take, any manager you take, they'll say, what's your ideal squad number? They'll probably say 25. And that includes like a third keeper and someone from the youth team as part of that 25. For 100 games, he's going to just play all the kids for whatever games he cares about. Like knowing Klopp, he'll probably like, yeah, this is the Champions League. I'll play my team. This is the Premier League. I'll play my team. All the other competitions can go, you know. Well, I, you know, I think, like I said, the League Cup would be done for the, the clubs that are in this. You know, I don't, we don't, I don't even play the League Cup anymore. We don't, we don't really. As anymore. it is. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. even that one or two fixtures, because those dates will have to be used to play these games, you know, these, these yeah. expanded group games. How many, is it 10 group stage games? Or it's not even yeah. a group stage technically. It's like a, a league and you have a table it's... and the top eight get in. And I don't even know how it works. It, I it's mean, kind of fucked up because it's like, it ain't broke. Don't fix it. But fine. Yeah. You know, here we go. The, this is the beginning of it, and it's. I think it's UEFA's attempt to kind of give the the big clubs what they want. You know, they're all. I really don't like the whole wild card birth thing, where like we'll get in anyways because of our. You know, we've we've got pedigree in this area. Like, yeah. come on, man. You either work <laughs> like, 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 you either earn your way into I mean, it or not. Look, like, it's like it's just a guarantee common revenue stream for all the big six english clubs, oh yeah right they're just that's sick it. of that's, like that's, man that's, united that's, not qualifying that's what <laughs> or you know, chelsea not qual- whoever look, arsenal here's the oh, thing man. though here's the thing right if you take a look at all the owners right everyone want, wants that money but the people who are actually seriously seriously considering this whole concept of the wild card the super mm-hmm. league you know john henry wants it oh yeah 100 no, 100 yeah, he, he wants it the most he, yeah. yeah, he wants it the most. Daniel Levy wants it because, you know, Tottenham's crap and, you know, they're not going to finish in the top four every season. You know, I don't know if Roman Abramovich wants it as much as, you know, some of the other the Glazers want it because, you know. Yes, yeah. VJ, to answer your question, yes, they all yeah, want it because they, they want to protect their assets because the one thing that European football has that's different than what we experience here normally in America is that they don't have a closed league. What we have here, we have closed leagues. So anyone who is bought into the MLS, NHL, NBA, your asset is protected. It's guaranteed money that you're getting every year. You don't have to fight for it. That's what they want. 
So of course, John Henry and all the rest of them at the top, of course they want that. They want to protect their asset. They want to have not just the revenue, but the guaranteed revenue. So it's just like a crockpot, baby. Set it, forget it, and we still got money coming in. That's what they want to have. Of course, yeah. they all want that. There will be a night. Like if it happens in the next three or four years, let's say, you know, the European Super League, there will be an ideology clash between Klopp and Henry because, you know, Klopp's like, don't play those games. Players should be protected. You know, we should be keeping the games to a minimum. And I agree with Klopp, right? The competition is more interesting if there's only a little, you know, if you have 100 games, like you said, they'll just tune it out. And John Henry has been trying to do this since his Red Sox day, mind you. He wanted that extra revenue for all the major baseball teams, including Red Sox, Yankees. Like he wanted Yankees and the Red Sox to get more share of the money as compared to the other baseball teams before. He's tried that before, you know, but MLB said no. So he's now trying that a little and It's not a point he's not put before. You know, he's, yeah. remember the first few years when he took over the club, he was like, you know, it's like, well, since we have so much TV support. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, like, since we have so much support in Asia, we should get more money. Yeah, man. I that mean, was his pitch. He's a he's a billionaire trying to make more money. So yeah. I mean, the key point here is uh, to stop the terrible European Super League. We have to end like capitalism. The Champions League. We have to end, yeah. we have to end the global the global struggle against capitalism. Oh, we're back. Okay, so we just come here, to here, an end. Here's the <laughs> no, thing: sorry. we just listed a bunch of shit, and the, the, yeah. the hard part to swallow, I think, for everybody, is that that's actually all that's good for Liverpool in the end. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. No, no, no. We, we, we have said is, well, Project it's, Death it's, Star helps us. Yeah. Like, the problem selfishly, is the, mor- yes. the morality side of it. Like what happens to so the EFL Cup, or sorry, the the League Cup, is the EFL's big money generator. Right. So yeah. if it doesn't exist, yeah, no, the EFL's dead. Like, you know, it's already dying. Clubs. What like 50% of the clubs are on the verge of going out of business, anyways. Yeah. And now you're going to take away their biggest money generator. It's kind of like that's, and honestly, I think that's why you remember when we were talking about big picture and the EFL was on board. Rick Perry was like, Yeah, this is a good idea. This is why. Because yeah. he saw down the line that this was going to happen and he's like, We need the money. Yeah, it's the only way we're going to survive it because so we're going to have to give them more to get more. That's the only way. Yeah. And, and like, you know, like uh, VJ talked about tradition um, and like the, obviously like this whole new format obviously just flops completely on its head. Everything we're used to. But, you know, when these when when that point is brought up, I like to remind people all the time that it used to be called the European Cup, and you had to oh, win your exactly. you had to win your league to get it, into exactly. it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then it got so, expanded, and then yeah, the, I'll, I'll say it. And I we got like used the to European the expansion. Cup. You know, we got used yeah. to the expansion at some point. And the the horrible truth, in fact, of the matter is, is when they force it upon us that we will grow used to it. And oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Just like you got used we'll to the Premier, or people right. got used to the Premier League, you know that wasn't always a thing. It was a much different in terms of how the money worked and everything. You know, it was, it was a big change in football, but yeah. now it's the number one product that we all pay attention to. So, Jordan, it's one of your favorite oh. quotes, man. Life finds a way. <laughs> Life finds a, a way. <laughs> Go ahead, VJ. Go ahead, VJ. I, I still like the European Cup. You know, it's just, there's something about it. You know, there's a mystique associated by winning sure. a trophy, by winning another trophy. You know what I mean? It's, it's, the European Cup was always an elite group and Liverpool were part of that elite. Yeah. You know? it's but I, just, 
I like the expansion that they did do because it allows for scenarios like, you know, football is all about the under, which is the problem with this whole new idea of like, you know, bought in teams. It's all about the idea of the underdog who's never been there, could never get there, getting there, you know, like us in 2005, there's no reason if we go by normal European cup standards that we should even be in that competition. But I think everyone in world football would agree that us being in that competition was, you know, worthwhile, you know, like, and so the expansion worked in that regard. And so, yeah, the idea of like franchises, it's all very American, right? Like, you know, let's guarantee guarantee our, our income, you know, collective bargaining agreements uh we guarantee the the amount of money we make in this competition and us as the big club should be able to keep the big share of of all this to us and like i get it it's the americanization of football let's hope it doesn't succeed but if uefa is going to this point it's like they're trying to compete heads up with it or at least you know like david said you know appease those people and buy into it and it's you know it's the unfortunate reality of the fact that football is not only a game played uh in between the lines but it's also a business and that's the sad truth yeah but it's yeah, like 99 chance it's gonna happen so well it is it is happening we're doing this stupid expanded two games against each other league table adding more games and nfl just went to keep 17 games like it's gonna happen we know it keep yeah. in mind there might be a third uefa competition coming up as well so meaning that you know any team oh, finishing in the top yeah anything finishing in the top 10 of their Listen, will actually, be in don't football. don't change the European Cup. Let's just do like you know, like a four bracket down every single league, and like we'll get like the like teams eighteen through twenty can play each other in a fucking European competition. I'll fucking watch it. That would be interesting to me. Interesting, yeah, yeah, right. Like give them a fucking shit level European Cup, but don't fuck around with our format. Keep Why it. Don't they just bring back the Cup Winners Cup. Exactly. You know, you want exactly. Toto the cup, 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 all yeah. that shit. You know, like they they used to be like other European competitions like the, the uefa cup used to actually mean something you know it was valuable you know it was yeah. it was uefa cup was technically the second best competition to win in europe not even your league it was like the european cup the uefa cup and then your league for a while but then yeah. well yeah because everyone gets into the champions league now and you get into the uefa See, cup the champions league was still league. fun you know in those case scenarios like you're mentioning liverpool playing in the finals and all it's they there are already some sort of protections for clubs within the Champions League right now where like you know yeah, if you're it. from the same country you can't play it in the group stages and oh, the round yeah. of sixteen you can only play in the that that sort of left out you know that that almost guarantees that you know all the big clubs will at least come into the top eight. You know, you rarely get a Porto coming through and all these stuff, you know, like a Lepe coming into the Champions League semifinal. That's been happening much rarely, whether those old rules still existed. I would think, you know, we'd have seen like a team like Leon consistently coming down to the quarterfinals, all the other teams, you know, getting eliminated at the round of 16s. I don't know. Porto's because, you know, here. Porto's here this season. I would, yeah, that's I would... what I'm saying. Like Porto's one team though, right? You know what I mean? But then Leon was last season. And then I feel like yeah. if we start going Tottenham and Ajax, like, come on, lad, let's have a word here real quickly. Like it still happens. I feel that that it happens but it's happening much less you know okay. what i mean that's it's, fair it's but just, it but could I, happen much more if those protections weren't there for the you know the bigger teams oh i think those protections guarantee that you get more interesting matchups in the round of 16 though but back to yeah. the to the bigger point though it this the super league the thing that they released the uefa david is just stupid it's it's more games <laughs> more injuries more fixture congestion 
less yeah. importance in the matches. More headaches for Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, it's. I I I don't know why it needs to be fixed. Did anyone really sit around and go, "This was broken"? This it was ain't broke. Does anybody yeah, go? You it know, broke. it's just been too long since the last football match. Yeah, right. <laughs> if anything, I would say that they would might they might want to have a conversation about having fewer games because what we saw last year with the single elimination when you got fun. to the quarterfinals that was actually really fun yeah, like yeah, I, I, yeah. it was refreshing so like Damn they might if, goal nonsense. yeah if they Especially might if, if, if they don't have venues. any kind of conversation maybe contraction of games maybe that's the one they want to think about but yeah and then uh, you know you can do neutral venues so you can have your giant neutral all the way but uh, but at the same time you don't want to lose <laughs> and now Home we're games, having like, fucking again, yeah. liverpool barcelona in new york city right <laughs> Like and that and, and now all of a sudden I'm just like nope no and never I want to swallow bleach and bleed out of <laughs> hey, my throat. A thing like that is gonna happen as well. You know, there's oh, there's yeah. oh no yeah we're walking the path. FIFA man. wants to approve. They were already the gonna do La Liga games in Miami. Oh, classical in Miami. Like they was talking about that Listen, for real. We like... not, not not even talking about that. Like do you know the Emirates Cup and all that crap we play in the summer when we come oh, to the God. United States? FIFA wants to make that a legit competition. Like yeah, people yeah. want Liverpool Real Madrid coming to you from Ann Arbor, Michigan. No, yeah, they want to have a, a FIFA Club World Cup that's actually like a World Cup World rather Cup. than yeah. yeah. And like you know, it's all coming down the line because everyone needs their piece of the pie because it's all disjointed, different governing bodies all making different competitions yeah. that intersect. In- the thing about that is like uh, you, the amount of people you're going to have on board, like the clubs that are going to be against it, are like clubs that already struggle with fixture congestion like the european clubs but you think everybody else in the world like you think houston dynamo and t grace are going to be like no we've got enough games no <laughs> they're going to be like oh yeah we want to do that and that's <laughs> yeah. same thing with fucking shenzhen united Look, or whoever i would see the like a houston the dynamo <laughs> i would see a game between like houston dynamo and wolves or sheffield that's fun right yeah. Just not us going there and playing every time. All those. Well, that's the thing, street. though. If you're gonna say Wolves got to go play Houston, then I mean you can't do that without saying, "All right, well, the top teams are probably gonna have to go play some shit team in MLS or in um, Liga MX or something like that." Like it's, it, there's no way you could do that well, that with it just being like... the mid tier teams. Like it, it would have to be everybody or nothing. Imagine hey, like it's, San it's Jose versus Brighton. It's like. <laughs> Adam Lallana versus an old ass Chris Wondolowski or whatever. Chivas <laughs> and Manchester United. United. Like Cruz Azul taking on Real Madrid. Like what is happening? I would pay Adam Lallana to go studs up on Chris Wondolowski. <laughs> <laughs> I'd DM him and say, "Hey, how much? How much would it cost for you just studs up Roy Keane on Holland's dad style?" Just ah! <laughs> I'll pay a lot of money, Adam. I don't care if you get banned i don't care what i gotta do man is that a transition no, just... <laughs> <laughs> which works perfectly it's <laughs> well our times our time's running down but we do have we have a game this weekend uh what do we do here do we just we just do i just spin it around the horn and you tell me how you feel i mean about david's got it covered he's talking to pete like do we have to talk arsenal no you're right so here's what i'll do <laughs> to end the to end the episode you're just gonna give me a score prediction and that and that's it. VJ, we play Arsenal coming back from the international break. This is look no at this. this. This this episode's just been like the international break, long, full of so many things that to digest. A lot of hot air. Yeah, and now the game. <laughs> VJ, we play Arsenal uh, Sunday. Yeah. Saturday. 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 Oh yeah, jeez. Saturday. You're right. 
right. Uh, our Champions League match Saturday. Give me a scoreline. 2-1 to us. Okay. All right. Darius. 3-1 to Liverpool, but I, I really don't care what happens. Uh, take me straight to Madrid. <laughs> true. Very true. This is Yeah, exactly. Why don't we want to talk about it? Because at this point, the league's kind of irrelevant, unfortunately. David, over to you. <laughs> Yeah, 2-1 sounds good. We're away from Anfield, so we'll probably play pretty well. Yeah, yeah. let's see here. Um, hmm. It's Arsenal. For some reason, Arsenal and us always play extremely insane games that don't yeah. make sense. Like, the last time we played Arsenal at the Emirates was the uh, the, Robo, the the Allison blunder, and mm. wasn't Robbo? Didn't Robbo do something silly? I feel like a pass back or something. Yeah, it was a pass no, back. Gives up back. a goal. Yeah, yeah. And like Virgil did something silly too, and it was all very weird. So with that all being said, it'll probably be four four. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say three two. I feel like it'll just be goals everywhere. Like Arsenal was trailing West Ham three nil and then pulled it back to three three. Like they're just they don't make sense at all. So it'll be three two. They'll score first, and then we'll score three, and then they'll score late, and that that's that was that's how it'll be. Um, um. But Wasn't hey, that four four where Arshavin scored four times around yeah, this time and he was, of year? I'm just and he was waiting going for like it. this. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I think it'd be more fun. Name goal scorers. Who do you think scoring? You know, I would. I actually remember the prediction for that four four game. I predicted that we'll win that four two. Oh, okay. Oh. Well, no, but so there. so who's who, Darius who's said? Scoring? Who you think scores the goal? Yeah, who, who scores? Did? Who scores? Uh, I'll go. Think... I'll go ahead. Oh yeah, I'll tell you, you. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll go Trent. And uh, Mo, and then uh, you know, uh, Jaka gets a freak one for them. <laughs> IVJ, give me your scores. All right, I think Matt Phillips scores and Kabak scores. I love it. I two oh, just center backs. Wow. All right, I, Darius, who, do you sc- who scores? I see a brace from Diogo Jota and a cracker from Trent. I think that actually sounds really good. And Pierre Mrikabamian because he's he's really good at football. Uh, Lacazette scores both their goals because that's what he does against us. Uh, Mo gets two, Monty gets one, and that until next time has been uh, Tampa Bay Cop Talk. I'm Jordan, I'm David, he's BJ, one of them is BJ. Until next time, up the reds. I don't know who's about to come right there, David. We're done. We're